With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bekamah Daf Membez, page 42. We begin at the top of the page, five lines in. Tanya Yidach, we learned that a b'risa. Baal Hasharnaki. So we have another b'risa that's involving this verse of Baal Hasharnaki, which means that the owner of the ox is clean. That's what it literally means. What does it mean that he's clean? So in the first b'risa we said, it means that he doesn't have to pay if his animal is a tam, it's a tame animal, and it killed a person. So it doesn't have to pay half of the kofar, half of that fine, which is the value of the person as a slave. So now we have another halacha that we also learned out from this verse. So what does mean he's clean. He doesn't have to pay if the animal went and it caused damage to a woman who was pregnant and the woman miscarried. So the, the, normally, so if a man does that, so he has to pay for the value of the child that was miscarried. But if the ox does it, there's no obligation to pay. The owner of the shore is clean. He doesn't have an obligation to pay for this. Amr Rabbi Kiva, so Rabbi Kiva responded and said to him, that verse is not necessary, because we have a different verse, Ki Natsu Anoshim, that the verse is talking about when a person causes damage and the woman loses the child, the woman miscarries because of it. So it says, when two people shall fight, Anoshim Vileshvarim, it says people, and it doesn't say oxen. Shapir coming to Rabbi Kiva. So the Gemara says, this is Rabbi Kiva says is a good taina. He's saying a good thing to Rabbi Yisakli. What's Rabbi Yisakli going to respond? Why do you need the verse Balashar Naki if we learn it out from Ki Natsu Anoshim? Amar of Ula, Braider of Idi, Sir of Ula, Braider of Idi says as follows. It's Strich. We need both verses. Salkadai Techamina, because we would have thought to say as follows. Anoshim Vileshvarim. Haddaimin Anoshim. What is excluded from the verse? Only oxen that are similar to people. Because it says people, and then it, that it's, that's implying that it's going to exclude uh, oxen that are similar to people. What does that mean? Ma'anoshim Mu'adin. Just like people, so they have to pay full damages right away. They're considered wild from the onset. Afshvarim Mu'adin. So to only oxen that are similar, which are oxen that are wild already and have to pay full damages already, that's what's excluded. Hatam Mechayiv. So, but if we get a tame animal, then there would be an obligation to pay for that, for the child that's miscarried. So that's why. Kasev Rachmana Balasharnaki the Potter. So that's why Rabbi Yosek Lili learns it from the Potter Balasharnaki, because you need to teach you that even by case of Tom, there's no obligation to pay for the miscarried child. Amar so Rav says that what you just said doesn't make sense. You're standing on the ground, but your head's in the clouds. Why? Because you just said that a person, so he has to pay if there's a miscarriage, but an animal that's wild doesn't have to pay. Implying that if it's tame, it does have to pay. That doesn't really make any sense. If it's tame, certainly it shouldn't have to pay. A tame animal is less likely to cause damage, so certainly if there's no responsibility when it's a wild animal, certainly there's no responsibility when it's a tame tame animal. Ela Amar Ravis. Ravis has a different explanation. It's strich. This is how it goes. We need it as follows. We need both verses. Salkadet Hachamina. We would have thought to say, Anoshim vileshvorim ha'daymin la'anoshim. Only people have an obligation to pay for the miscarried child and not oxen that are similar to people. Ma'anoshim mu'adin afshvor mu'adin. Just like the people that we're saying they have an obligation to pay are wild, so to the oxen that don't have an obligation to pay are the oxen that are wild. The kalvechoymer letam in the p'tiri. And certainly if the animal is tame, there's no obligation for it to pay. What does the verse come to say when it says that there's no obligation on the owner of the shore, on the owner of the ox, he's clean? And the fact that there's an extra verse that's coming to teach you, not like you would have thought. You would have thought that both wild animals and tame animals don't have an obligation to pay. Comes along the verse and says, only animals that are tame have no obligation, but an animal that's wild will in fact have an obligation to pay. So what now, when Rabbi Aglidi had said in the Brisa, there's no obligation on the animal to pay, he was only talking about a tame animal according to Rava. But in fact, a wild animal will have an obligation to pay if there's a miscarriage, heaven forbid. Amr Abaya, so Abaya turns to Rav and says as follows, 
If that's correct, Gabi Bushes Nami Nemahachi, we should say the same thing in regards to a case where the animal caused embarrassment to somebody. Anoshim Veleshvarim Adamin Anoshim. That only people have an obligation to pay for embarrassment and not oxen that are similar to people. Ma Anoshim Uadin Ashorim Uadin. Just like people, where do they have an obligation to pay when they're wild? So to oxen, only when they're wild, do not have an obligation to pay. And certainly, where the animal is a tame animal, the tiri, that there's no obligation. And then what would happen when the verse comes, the verse that says that the owner of the ox doesn't have an obligation, comes to teach you, Tam just like Rav said in regards to the Dmei Vladis, in regards to the payment for that for the child that was miscarried, we would say the same thing over here, that only a tame animal is, has no obligation to pay in regards to embarrassment, but a wild animal will have an obligation to pay for embarrassment. And if you want to say that, that in fact, maybe that's true, if that was true, so let it say in the Brisa that Rabbi Yisak Lili says that it's the same halacha, both in regards to paying for the miscarried child and in regards to paying for any kind of embarrassment. But he doesn't say that, thus implying that in fact there wouldn't be an obligation in regards to wild animal that caused embarrassment. Rather, Abai and Rav, they both say different understanding why we need both verses. Anashim ein asoin biisha ye anshu. The verse says that in regards to the men, so if there's no tragedy with the woman, meaning if the woman doesn't die, then they get punished and they have to pay for the miscarried child. But if there is a tragedy in regards to the woman, meaning she does die, and they don't have to pay the monetary value of the child that was lost. So that's what we make an implication from. But it's not true in regards to the ox, that even if there is a tragedy, if let's say the ox kills a woman, and the child, there's a miscarriage, the child is lost, so then there is an obligation to pay the monetary value as well. That's what you would think if, if only for that verse. That's why it comes to say the verse of Balasharnaki, that there's no obligation on the owner of the ox, the potter, that there's no obligation where the woman is killed, there's no obligation to pay for the monetary value. Maskevler of Adabarava, sort of Adabarava challenges this. Is it dependent upon tragedy? The Kavanatalia Milsa has to do with intent. What does that mean? So Rashi explains. The Ravadabarava holds like Rabbi Shimon. What does Rabbi Shimon say? Then in regards to a case where you have one guy fighting with another guy. Ruvain intends to kill Shimon, he wants to kill him, but instead he accidentally kills a woman. Now, there's no obligation since he did not intend to kill that woman, he doesn't have to be killed himself. And now, in regard to the monetary value, the monetary damage that was caused to the woman, the fact that she miscarried, so there will be an obligation to pay that since there's no obligation for the person to be killed. That being the case, we see it depends on the intent. Why? Because if he intends to kill his friend, Ruvain is fighting with Shimon, he intends to kill Shimon, so then there's no obligation for him to be killed, and therefore there's an obligation for him to pay. But if he intends to kill the woman, then there won't be an obligation for him to pay for the monetary damages. And the, the concept has to do with whenever there's a greater punishment, which is the punishment of death, so there's no obligation to pay the monetary value. Now what comes out of all this is that Rav Adabarav is saying that you, Abai and Rav, were trying to say that across the board, whenever there's a tragedy, the woman is killed, there's no obligation to pay the, for the monetary issue. So that implied that, but by an Ashur, by an ox, there is an obligation to pay. And then by Ashur, Naki comes to say that there's no obligation to pay again. But that starts with an assumption. The assumption is that across the board, it's always no obligation for a regular person to pay when he kills a woman. But that's not true. It depends on the person's intent. Because if he intended to kill the woman, then there will be an obligation to pay. So thus we lose the whole train of thought that brought us to explaining why we need the second short, the second verse of Balashor Naki. So now Ravada Bar Ava gives us a whole, a whole different understanding. Men, when they have intent one for the other, even though there's a tragedy, the woman gets killed, they get 
they get punished. But when they intend for the woman herself, they don't get punished. They don't have to pay the monetary value. So that comes to exclude. But not in regards to oxen. That even if the ox intended for the woman herself to kill her, and she got killed, there still will be an obligation to pay the monetary value. So that's what Rabbi Yisaglili is saying. That's why you need the verse of Balashar Naki to teach you the owner of the ox is clean, he's free from paying the petiri. There's no obligation to pay this monetary value, even though the animal had intent to kill the woman. And similarly, when Rav Chagai came from the south, he came, he brought this brysa in his hands, and he had the understanding as Rav Adabar Ava explained it. Now we bring another brysa that also explains this pasuk, Bala Hashor Naki. This verse of that the owner of the ox is clean. Rabbi Kiva Aymer, Rabbi Kiva says his pshat in the verse, what does it mean? Naki midme eved. There's no obligation to pay if the animal went and killed a slave. We turn to Membezim Abbez, page 42b. Venema Rabbi Akiva lenafshei. Let Rabbi Akiva say to himself that which he previously had said on the Mem'al of Membez, he said to Rabbi Eliezer. What did he say? Rabbi Akiva said previously, and we can say it to him right now as well, where are you going to pay from? You're going to pay from the animal itself, if we're talking about a tame animal, right? So if that's the case, you can't pay for the animal. If the animal is going to get stoned, there's not going to be anything left for you to pay from. So what is Rabbi Akiva talking about? The case is talking about where the owners, before the court even had a chance to take this animal to court and, and say what's going to be the halacha, that this animal was going to be killed before that happened before the court made the decree so the owner of the animal went and he slaughtered the animal so it wasn't a chayim misa didn't have a liability for death yet and the animal they went and they took the animal's meat and they sold it so now you can take the value of that money and you should be able to pay for the for the damage that was caused the, the value of that slave so theoretically you could have the case you might think that you should pay from the animal so that's what it comes to teach you since this animal must be killed even though you went and slaughtered it, and you, in theory you did kill it, there's no obligation, nevertheless, to pay from this animal. says, If so, why couldn't we say this to Rabbi Eliezer also? Meaning, when Rabbi Eliezer originally said that we're talking about that there's no obligation to pay the chatzik kofar, to pay the half fine. So Rabbi Kiva said to him, well, well, if there's no animal to pay from, so of course you don't have to pay the half fine. What's the chiddish? What was the novelty? That's what Rabbi Kiva said to him. So now, according to Rabbi Akiva, the question becomes, why did he ask this question to Rabbi Eliezer in the first place? If he knows the answer, he he himself holds that you need to come onto a case where the animal was slaughtered before the decree came down from the court. So, why did he ask the question in the first place? The Gemara answers, It's true. He didn't have to ask the question. But he held that maybe Rabbi Lazar has a better answer that he's going to tell me better than this answer of slaughtering. So that's why Rabbi Kiva asked the question. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar indeed answer him and said that the cases where the animal was slaughtered, and that's why we have to come onto the Chiddush, onto the novelty that there's no obligation to pay the Chatzik or to pay the half fine. Amar Lachai will respond and say like this, So if you remember, we said that Rabbi Lezer had said that the reason that we need a verse to teach us, Balash or Noki, to teach us that there's no obligation to pay that half fine, was because we were talking about a case where the animal is not going to be killed. How is the animal not going to be killed? Because it meant to kill an animal, or meant to kill a different person, ended up killing this person. So in such a case, where it didn't intend to kill 
kill this person, there's no obligation for the animal to be killed. That being the case, so you would think that you would indeed have to pay the chatzik kofar, the half damages perhaps, from this animal. That's why we need the diverse. So in such a case, then you would think that you would have to pay because the, the ox does not be killed at all. So we would think that you have to pay and that's why we need the case that's the chiddish according to Rabbi Eliezer. That's why he establishes it in that case. We need that verse to exclude such a thought. But in this version where Rabbi Kiva says it where the animal is getting slaughtered so the case is not where it meant to kill one and end up killing this one. It meant to kill this person from beginning, beginning to end. So the animal has to be killed. We would never think that if the animal has to be killed, that you would have to pay from the goo, from the body of the animal. The animal has to be killed. Even if you slaughtered it, there's no obligation to pay once the animal is getting killed. So so that's why Rebbe did not establish his case talking about what Rabbi Kiva said, talking about a case where it was slaughtered. He didn't want to respond to that. It wasn't a good chiddish. It wasn't a good novelty to Rabbi Kiva Nami. So according to Rabbi Kiva, he also has to explain. Indeed, the reason why Rabbi didn't say his case. So it's a question now on Rabbi Kiva. That should also be a good question. So Rabbi Asi says, This matter I heard it from a great person. Who is this great person? It was Rabbi the reason Rabbi Kiva needs to tell us this verse to tell us there's no obligation to pay by a slave to pay the, if you're talking about a tam animal there's no obligation to pay by a slave since Rabbi Kiva says that if we're talking about an animal causing damage to a person and a person causing damage to an animal so if there's extra money from the from the animal who is a tame animal meaning the damage that was caused was greater by the tame animal than the amount of damage that was caused by the person to the animal. So in such a case, you pay nezek shalim, you pay full damages according to Rabbi Kiva. So once you're paying full damages, even though the animal is tame, mishtalim nami me you would think that in fact when you're paying the money that you owe for the slave that's killed, even when it's tame, the money's not coming from the goof of the animal, from the body of the animal, but rather from the aliyah, it's going to get paid from property. So that's why, because of Rahman Bal Hashornaki, because you would say like this, since you're paying full damages even where it's a tame animal according to Rabbi Akiva so maybe you're going to pay from the aliyah from a piece of property and since you're paying from a piece of property you're not paying from the animal itself so therefore even though the animal has to be killed you still have an obligation to pay even by the 30 slain that are a special fine for an evid so that's why the verse has to come and say Balashur Naki that there's no obligation to pay according to Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Kiva actually contradicted what you just said himself. That you might think that you have to pay from, from a piece of property. The verse says you shall do like this law. That's how it shall be done to him. This teaches you that you pay only from the body of the animal. Meaning even though Rabbi Kiva himself holds that you might have to pay full damages when it comes to a tam, a tame animal. Nevertheless, you still don't pay. We have a different verse to teach you that you don't pay from the property of the person, but rather you pay from the goof, from the animal itself. So we wouldn't need a verse to tell you, Balashur Naki, to teach you that you don't pay the 30 slime of the evidence. Because, of course, if the animal is to be killed, you, of course, don't pay something that has to come out of the body of the animal. Ella Amarava, so Rav says, Itzrich, what do we need this verse for? In the end, according to Bikiva Saku, that we would have thought to say as follows. Since we find that there are stringencies in regards to a slave, even greater than a person who is free, because if we're talking about an animal that killed a regular person who's free, and the person who got killed was 
if he would be sold as a slave, he would have a value of a sella, one dollar, let's say, nice and sella. So all you pay is exactly that one sella, the, exactly the amount of value. Shleshim, nice and shleshim. If the guy's worth 30, you pay 30. The Eved, but when it comes to a slave, you have to sell it, even if he's only worth one dollar. Nice and shleshim, you pay 30 dollars. So we see that there's a stringency in regards to a slave. So you might think that in regards to a slave, despite the fact that Rabbi Kiva normally says that you don't pay from the aliyah, from property, but rather you pay from the animal, you might think that in regards to a slave, you will pay from the property. So that's why the verse has to say, there's no obligation on the owner of the animal to pay, even in regards to a slave. Tanya Kava say the Rav, we have a Braisa that proves Rava the way he explained it to be correct. Balasharnaki, the owner of this, the ox doesn't have an obligation to pay. So Rabikiva says it's no obligation to pay the value of a slave that's killed. So this is actually a din, it makes sense. Since we find that there's obligations both in regards to a slave and in regards to a, a free person, a regular person, if we find in regards to a free person, there's differences between between a tame animal and a wild animal, that only in regards to a wild animal will you pay that co-fare, that special fine for killing the person. Also in regards to the obligations in regards to a slave, will also make a difference between if the animal that caused the damage was tame or wild. Only in regards to the wild animal will there be an obligation to pay the shloshim, the special 30 slime that are paid for an evet. V'oid, and not only that, Kavachimer, it's actually a logical derivation. If in regards to a person who's free, so what's the amount that has to be paid when you have to pay? You pay the full value of the person. And nevertheless, we see that there's a difference between if the animal's tame or it's wild. So in regards to a slave, that all you give is 30, even if the slave is actually worth more. So we see it's more lenient, so certainly we should be lenient and say that there's a difference between a tame animal and a wild animal and there won't be an obligation to pay in regards to a tame animal. So the Gemara says, hold on a second. Actually, we find that there's actually a stringency in regards to a slave. In certain cases, there's a greater stringency in regards to a slave than a regular person. Because if we have a regular person who's worth $1, he pays a dollar. If he's worth 30, then you give that 30. But a slave that's worth $1, you're going to give 30. You always give that 30 slime. So you see that there's actually a stringency. So you might think that in such a case, therefore, there should be an obligation to pay even when we're talking about a tame animal. Tamalomar, so that's why the verse has to come and say, Balashar Naki, that the, the owner of the ox is cleaned off, he's free from any kind of obligation. Nakmi the Evid, he doesn't even have to pay that 30 slime, even if we're talking about a tame animal. The Gemara continues, Sanarabhan, we learned that a Braisa, Vihimis Isha Isha, if he shall kill a man or a woman. Amar Bikiva, Bikiva says, What's this coming to teach us? It's coming to say that there's an obligation, both when we're talking about a man or a woman. We already know that women are equal, because the verse already said, When an ox shall gore a man or a woman. This is actually coming to teach us there's a connection between man and woman. Just like a man. So any damages, let's say the person gets killed. So the money that's paying for that goes to his yorshim, to his inheritors. So to a woman, the damages that are caused to her, if she dies, let's say, so the damages that go to her yorshim, her inheritors. Now the Gemara challenges is Is it true that what comes out according to this is that Rabbi Kiva holds that the Baal, the, the husband, is not going to get the Yerusha, not going to get the inheritance. He's not going to get the money. Is it true that he holds that way? We have a Brisa that says explicitly not like that. So the verse says, He shall inherit her. 
Ishtai. From this we learn that the husband has the ability to get the inheritance from the woman, from his wife. These are the words of Rabbi Kiva. So we see explicitly that Rabbi Kiva holds that the husband is the one who gets the inheritance. So how could it be that Rabbi Kiva also says that the kids get the inheritance? What's going on? explains, When does Rabbi Kiva say that the kids are going to get the Yerusha, going to get the inheritance? Only in regards to this kofar, the special fine where an ox kills her. Why? Since the money is only going to be paid after she dies, therefore it's considered something which is fitting for it to get to her, but it hasn't yet gotten to her before she dies. So a husband does not take the money which is fitting to get for her, all he gets is the money that she actually already acquired before she died. But any money that comes afterwards, the, the Yarshim, the inheritors, will actually get it. My time. How do we know that in fact that this is something that's paid, it's considered that it's owed to her after she died? Omar Kra, because the verse is so there's an obligation to pay when when the, when the ox has actually killed her but if let's say the ox had done something which is going to cause her death later then there's not going to be any obligation for the people to pay thus we see the money only comes to her after she dies and therefore the money goes to her inheritors and not to her husband so now what comes out of this is that according to Rabbi Kiva, the only time that the kids get it is only if the money came afterwards. But if the money was owed to her before, then the husband gets it. And the Gemara challenges that. Uvinazakin, Layam Rabbi Kiva, is it true that Rabbi Kiva holds that if there's money, let's say, that's owed to her because there are damages before she died. So the kids don't get it. The Brisa seems to imply not that way about Tanya, we have a Brisa. Hika Isha. If let's say the woman got damaged, the children, she lost her children, there was a miscarriage. Noisen Nesek Isha. The damages and the pain goes to the woman. And the value of the miscarriage that goes to the husband. Ain habal. If let's say the husband is not around, noisin liyarshav. So that money goes to the kids. Ain haisha noisinus liyarsheha. If the woman has died subsequently, let's say after the money was already owed to her, so then the kids get that money. So what do we see? We see explicitly that despite the fact that the money was owed to her before she died, the kids get it, not the husband. Now the brayser finishes off by saying Let's say the woman who had gotten damaged. So she was a woman who was a freed slave woman, or she was a convert. So in either case, usually such a woman marries a person who is also a convert or a freed slave. So in such a case, if they both have died, there's no one left to inherit them. Zacha, so the person who caused the damage doesn't have to pay, because there's nobody to pay. I'm a rabba. So Rabbah is going to explain how we're going to understand Rabbi Kiva. Over here we see in this Brisa that in fact there's no obligation to pay to the husband, but rather it goes to the inheritors. How do you explain that? The money was already given to her or owed to her from before. So Rabbi says, Begrusha, we're talking about a woman who is a divorcee, and therefore she doesn't have any obligation to give the money to her husband, rather it goes to her inheritors. And similarly, Rav Nachman said, we're talking about a woman who is a divorcee. Amri, so the Gemara says, hold on a second. Grusha, nami, If the cases we're talking about a woman who's divorced, so why do we say that all of the money that comes from the miscarriage, the money of the child, goes to the husband? If they're divorced, they should split up the money. Amra Papa, Rav Papa says, That the Torah always gives the special merit of the money of the miscarriage, it always goes to the husband. Even if the husband had relations with her that were, they weren't even married, let's say. So nevertheless, despite that fact, the money will always go to him. So also in a case where they're divorced, the money will go to him as well. Completely to him. My time, huh? How do we know this? How do we know it's true? Even if they're not married, he still gets all the money. I'm a crook. Because the verse says, Kasher Baal Ha'isha. As it shall be placed upon him by the husband of the woman, the one who had relations with her. Ba- Baal means the one who had relations. So then we consider, even if they're not married anymore, the fact that, she, that he had the relations, it goes to him.
Now the Gemara says, "Why do we have to say that the cases where they got divorced, we can say that they're still married, and nevertheless the money will go to the kids and not to the husband? Why? According to Rabbi, we could say that the cases that the way this nezek, the damage was paid, even though she's gone, it's after the fact already. It was paid with money. And according to Rabbi, when it's paid with money, so it's not considered muhzik, It's not considered still that it was within her possession from before." And according to Rav Nachman, so you could say that the cases where you actually pay with karka, with property. Because according to him, when you pay with property, so it's not considered muhsuk, it's not considered that it was in her possession from before, and therefore that's why the kids will inherit it. Where do we see this? The Amar because Rabbah says in a case where we're talking about whether the firstborn is allowed to get pishnam, whether he gets double, so that's dependent on whether it's considered that it was muhsak, similar to our case, whether it was already in, her, in the possession of the father from before, or whether it was royal, whether it was just fitting from to get it. So according to Rabbah, gavu karka yeshlai. If you collected karka, if you collected property, so then the bachor, the firstborn, will get double. Why? Because it's considered that they had it from before, it was muhsak, this land has been around all along, and therefore he's going to get double. Gavu if the payment was done by the person who owed the money with money, so therefore the money, it's not considered that the money was around from before, it wasn't considered muhsak that he had it from before, that the father had it, therefore he doesn't get double. For Rav Nachman, Amar Rav Nachman holds, Gavu if you collected money, Yeshla, he holds it, that's considered that it was around from beginning to end, and Rashi explains because since the, the thing that was lent was money, therefore it's like the money that he he's giving now was around all along and therefore it's considered muhsak it's considered that the father had it from, from before and therefore the bachur the first one gets double gavu karka ain't liberty holds that when it's talk, when, if you're talking about property that's what it was paid with so it's not considered that it was around from all along it's not considered muhsak it's not considered he had from before and therefore the bachur the first one will not get double so now according to Rav and Rav Nachman you don't have to say that we're talking about a case where the woman is divorced and that's why the husband's not getting it you could have a case even where they're still married that the husband still won't get it because it's not considered that it's muhsak it's not considered that it's already in the possession of the woman, depending on how you give it. So the Gemara answers, When did Rabbi and Rav Nachman make that distinction? Only according to the people of Eretz Yisrael, according to the rabbis. But in our Gemara, we're speaking about according to Rebbe. And according to Rebbe, even both Rabbi and Rav Nachman will agree that it doesn't matter whether you did it, with, whether the payment was done with karka, with, with land, whether the payment was done with mois, with money. Either way, it's going to be considered that it was muhsak from before, that the, that the the money was in her possession from before, and therefore, unless they got divorced, there would be no reason for the money not to go to the husband. So that's why we had to establish the case that we're talking about a case where they got divorced, because it's according to Rebbe.